Katele de Boro Kotosekele de Brina Katali de Babayana Gageas Katea. Thank you, Father. Father, we praise and bless the name of Jesus. We rejoice that we have the privilege this morning to study your word, to be equipped by your word. And we thank you that your word is life and light unto us. Thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word give it light and understanding to the simple. We look into the perfect law of liberty today and we are not forgetful hearers but doers of the work. And I decree for everybody under the sound of my voice revealed knowledge is gifted to you. The eyes of your understanding flooded with light. Clarity comes to you by the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this service, you'll never be the same again. Father, we rejoice that by the end of the service today, your people built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is final authority in my life. The word of God is my nature. Therefore, I understand the word of God naturally. And I declare that today I will never be the same by the end of this service in Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome every one of you by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and all of you that are listening to us by way of Radio XLFM here in Aquaibom State. All of our radio audiences, we're so glad to have every one of you connected. Hey guys, listen, I want to advise you quickly, grab a notebook, a pen, and a Bible. We're going to do some good Bible study that will totally turn your life around. All of our house centers and campuses, we're glad to have everybody connected. Hey guys, it's going to be a wonderful time of the study of God's word. And it's a joy to have every one of you here today. Grab your Bible and notebooks and your pen. You can be seated with your sweet smart self as we get into the word of God. I've been teaching a series that began last Sunday on the misunderstood God. The misunderstood God. And today we're looking at part five of that particular teaching series. And it's the part two of the misunderstood God. God. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15. And that from a child, brother Paul writes to Timothy, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We have established that faith in Christ explains the character of God in the Old Testament. Faith in Christ explains the character of God in the Old Testament. You need to follow carefully to know that very well. I said in the first service that fundamentally the Old Testament must be explained. Fundamentally the Old Testament must be explained. Do not act upon anything in the Old Testament without first of all explaining it. Do not act on anything in the Old Testament without first of all explaining it. Because if you don't do that, you will find yourself following a God you don't know. A God you don't know. You will find yourself following a distorted God, a, a distorted image or a distorted God in your mind. You will find yourself following a God who is very inconsistent and contradictory. If you do not allow the Old Testament to be explained to you. 
you will find yourself in the worship of angels, which is treskia, the worship of angels, meaning to approach God through angels. Angelos treskia, to approach God through angels. And if you are following the Old Testament without explaining it, you will be having a worship of angels. Approaching God through what angels said. Approaching God through what angels said. And we're going to get more details about that in this teaching. In the book of Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 now, Brother Paul now says to Timothy, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture there means the Old Testament. Genesis to Malachi is what the scriptures refer to as all scripture. It's profitable, the word ophilimos, advantageous or useful for explanation. The word doctrine is the word didascalia in the Greek. It means teaching or explanation. So the scriptures will only profit you when they are explained. That's why I said the Old Testament must be explained. They will only profit you when they are explained. The Old Testament must be explained. And then they are profitable for reproof. The word reproof is the word eleko in the Greek. It means to persuade. A message of faith. They are profitable as a message of faith or to persuade. Then number three for correction. The word ephenatus. Ephenatosis. It means to set your mind about God or to reset your mind concerning God. And then they are profitable for instruction. That is, you are nurtured in Christ. So the Old Testament is a message of persuading men about God. To set your mind or reset your mind about God and to nurture you in Christ. Christ explains God to us. Christ explains God to us. Luke 24, 25. Luke 24, 25. God, Jesus turned to the disciples and said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Next verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The word dimenua in the Greek, it means to, to, to explain or to cut across the scriptures. So he comes through the New Old Testament books to reveal himself to us. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. That is, Jesus went through all the scriptures which is Moses and the prophets. All the scriptures is Moses and the prophets. He went through all the scriptures and he expounded. The word expounded is to interpret, to explain the Old Testament in the light of Christ. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He did not just explain everything. He zeroed in his explanation and his teaching of the scriptures to the things concerning himself. In the book of John chapter 5 verse 39. 
John chapter 5 verse 39. Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. So Jesus reveals God to us and the scriptures unveils Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16, the scripture says, For who had known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is twofold. Number one, the mind of Christ means the epistles. The mind of Christ means the epistles. Number two, the mind of Christ is the revelation of the Spirit of God concerning Jesus. The mind of Christ is the revelation of the Spirit of God concerning Jesus. In the first service, we looked at one instance in Second Kings, which had to do with Elisha. Second Kings, and we saw that in Second Kings, Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes be opened to see that there are more for them than those against them. Elisha prayed for his servant, that the eyes of his servant be opened to see that there are more for them than those against them. Look at that Second Kings chapter 6 verse 17. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. He asked for Elisha to see. And Elisha saw that there was enough supernatural protection. That was sufficient. But look at verse 18. See what happens in verse 18. Verse 18 of, 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 of Second Kings chapter 6. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite these people. I prayed thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. According to the word of Elisha. Who did, who did the job of striking the people with blindness? It was angels whose words they hearkened to. Angels hearkened to the voice of men. The words of men. So the angels hearkened to Elisha and struck those people with blindness. Was it necessary to smite them with blindness? No. Angels hacking to words in the Old Testament. The words they hacking to were of men who had little revelation of God. The words they hacking to were words of men who had little revelation of God. But in the four Gospels, angels hacking to the voice of Jesus. In the four Gospels, angels hacking to the voice of Jesus. In the Old Testament, angels hearkened to the voice of men who had little revelation of God. But in the four Gospels, angels hearkened to the voice of Jesus. So you will not find them do anything to harm anybody in the four Gospels. Because the voice of his word in the four Gospels is Christ himself. That is why in the four Gospels you will see that there was no tragedy that took place by angels or by Jesus. He always healed. He always raised from the dead. He always helped. When there was a storm in the sea, he rebuked the wind and there was peace. So we see how Christ, who is the character of God, influenced angels for constructive purposes. 
how Christ, who is the character of God, influenced angels for constructive purposes. Angels in the Old Testament functioned according to man's knowledge and temperaments. Angels in the Old Testament functioned according to man's knowledge and temperaments. That's where many people got their wrong idea and impression of God from. In the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, is where many people got their wrong idea and impressions of God from. So, Jesus explains God to us. Jesus is the accurate explanation of God. Jesus is the exact explanation of God. Jesus is the perfect imprint of God. Jesus is the express image of God. That is, Jesus reveals God in his exactness and precision. There is no ambiguity in the revelation that Jesus gives us of God because Jesus is God revealed in humanity. Jesus wouldn't need to have come at all if the prophets were correct, if the prophets were precise, if the prophets were exact, if they spoke precisely about God, there will be no need for Jesus to come. So Jesus came and corrected the prophets. Jesus came and corrected Moses. Jesus came and took care of their excesses. For example, in the book of Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 verse 53. Look at Luke chapter 9 verse 53. Let's see Jesus. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he will go to Jerusalem. Jesus wanted to go through Samaria and they resisted him. 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire, that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Even as Elias did? Now they want to bring fire down and destroy. And they now make reference to an Old Testament model that they were copying, Elijah. Oh, Jesus, Elijah is our role model. We like the way Elijah does ministry. He brings fire down. Jesus, join us. Let us copy Elijah. Let us be like Elijah. Elijah was their standard for ministry. But the Bible tells us, give me the next verse, and Jesus, Jesus turned and rebuked them. He rebuked them like he would rebuke evil spirits. And said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. Next verse. For the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. And they went to another village. Now, where the disciples say, can't we just command fire like Elijah did? Jesus rebuked them. Look at where Elijah commanded fire. Second Kings chapter 1 verse 10. 2 Kings chapter 1 verse number 10. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50. If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And there came down fire, put it back in verse 10. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Give me verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12, and Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. 
and the fire of God, see that, and the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. If that was the fire of God, why will Jesus rebuke James and John for wanting to bring fire down? Is God a God of double standards? Of course he cannot be. So you can see already that right there, it was not God that brought that fire down. It was Elijah and the angels that were working for them. For example, I want to show you more of this. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 12. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse number 12. Pay attention. And after the earthquake, after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. The Lord was not in the fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Now go back to verse 10. Verse 10 of that First Kings 19. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Another wrong impression. Look at what God said to Elijah. Next verse. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, the fire. But the Lord was not the fire. Was not in the fire. So it was not God that brought down the fire because God does not operate with fire and earthquake and wind and thunder. Obviously, it was Elijah and the angels that were doing all those destructive acts. That is why Jesus will now turn to the disciples in Luke chapter 9. Jesus, who is the express image of God. Jesus, who is the perfect imprint of God. Jesus, who is the revelation of God to humanity. He turned to the, to the disciples and rebuked them like he would rebuke evil spirits. And he said to them, for the son of God is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Observe that they were quoting scriptures. Just like some ministers today will go to the Old Testament to quote evil. So that it will give them permission to do that evil. They were quoting scriptures. They were quoting scriptures. Look at verse 55 to 56. 2 Kings 1, 55 to 56. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 55. 2 Kings chapter 1. Thank you Lord Jesus. Sorry, 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 55. 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 55. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sorry, I got my notes mixed up. Luke 9.55. Sorry. Luke 9.55. Luke 9.55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. They are asking him to bring fire down to consume. Jesus told them, mm -mm, the spirit of God does not consume people with fire. So that is why when Elijah prayed fire down, the, the scriptures tells us that God was not in that fire. God does not destroy with fire. God is not in destruction. God is only in life. God promised eternal life before the world began. 
But Jesus rebuked them the same way he rebukes demons. Look at John chapter 14 verse 6. John chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What do you mean no man cometh to the Father? In our minds, you think he's talking salvation. But he is not talking salvation. Let's go back to the pretext. John chapter 14 verse 1. John chapter 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, comedia is talking of approach to know God. No man knows God. No man sees God but by me. No man cometh to the Father but by me because to believe God is to believe in Jesus. To believe God is to believe in Jesus. So no man approaches God. No man sees God. No man knows God except in Christ. So Christ is the revelation of God or Christ reveals God. Look at that John chapter 14 verse 5. John chapter 14 verse 5. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 7. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. So to know the Father is to know Christ. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. From henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Alright? So when you know Jesus, who do you really know? You know the Father. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. John 14 verse 8. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. Don't tell us you are the Father. Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. They are just like some of us today. Can I know God? But he just had me teach about Jesus. Uh, I have heard about Jesus, but I want to know God. I want to know the God of all flesh. I want to know the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That's how many believers believe, behave. After we teach you Christ... After we reveal Christ to you, in your mind you think Christ is junior God. You want to know the main God. Jesus is God himself. Look at verse 8 of John 14. Jesus is God himself. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Verse 9. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And now sayest thou then, show us the Father. Show us the Father. Give me verse 9. Verse 9 of John 14. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Have you had enough of teaching of Jesus, and you do not still know that Jesus is God? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And now sayest thou then, show us the Father. Verse 10. Pay attention. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, 
and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. The word believe there is instructive. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? So when he said, no man cometh unto the Father except by me, he is saying, this is how to know the Father in me. Jesus is the way to know the Father. If you know God through the Old Testament, if you know God through the Old Testament laws of Moses, you are in the worship of angels. If you know God through the Old Testament law of Moses, you are in the worship of angels. Angelos Treskia. Angelos Treskia. That means you are approaching God through the words of angels. That is, you are approaching God through the words of angels. But in Colossians chapter 2, he says, the substance is Christ. The substance is Christ. We have come to God in Christ. We have come to know God through Jesus Christ. We have come to know God through Jesus Christ. Just like Moses. Moses and his angels. Just like Moses. Moses operated with his angels. We have come to know God in Christ. We have not come to know God through Moses. We have not come to know God in Elijah. We have come to know God in Christ. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. We said God's power, therefore, the power of God is always to save, to heal, and to cure. The power of God does not destroy. The power of God saves, the power of God heals, the power of God cures. So Jesus reveals the Father, or the power of God is revealed in Christ. We have already agreed in the last teaching that Moses has a mixture of faith and law. In all of our previous teachings, we explained that. Moses gave them the gospel. When they rejected the gospel, he now gave them the law. It is a mixture of faith with a little revelation. A mixture of faith with a little revelation and law. Imagine how many pages has this search in the Bible. 39 chapters. In fact, over half of the New Testament forms the Old Testament. The Old Testament is 39 books. Big, big books. And it's all full of searches and a little revelation of God. If you are lazy in Bible study, you will form your opinion in the mixture. If you are lazy in Bible study, you will form your opinion in the mixture of the Old Testament. You will form your opinion of God. You will form a disjointed picture of God. Or you will form a conclusion of God in the mixture of the Old Testament. You will say God is whatever he says per time. God is whatever he says per time. Who can stand when God talks? All those statements are a worship of angels. Who can stand when God talks? Who can battle with the Lord? Who can battle with the Lord? All those are a worship of angels. Angels were stunned when God came in a manger. 
came in a manger. Angels were stunned. Angels were stunned when they saw God as a helpless babe in a manger in the incarnation. Angels were stunned when they saw that Herod shook and God flee. They took Jesus and flee with him to Egypt. Angels were stunned because that doesn't look like the way God should operate. Because angels are used to, you know, violent operations. Kill, destroy, maim, open the ground and bury people alive, cause thunder, lightning and earthquakes. Angels were used to all those kind of forceful operations. So when they saw God for the first time in the incarnation, helpless like a babe in a manger, and then Herod made noise, and they took him and ran with him to Egypt. When they wanted to capture Jesus, Jesus said, I am. Angels threw everybody down. They pushed the people down. They wanted to capture Jesus. Angels just did a little display. That is why the power of God is seen in weakness. The power of God is seen by man as weakness. How can God say he came to save the world and he dies? It makes no sense. But that is the power of God. The power of God is weakness to a natural man. His death is my life. His death is my life. His resurrection is my resurrection. So pay attention carefully. Understanding therefore that the power of God is not a show of strength. God's power is weakness to men. His wisdom is foolishness to man. That's why Moses kept shouting, Father, show me your glory. And in the glory of God, there is no display of strength. God said, my glory is my goodness. My glory is my mercy. My glory is my grace. That is God's communication. Look at Exodus 33, 18. Exodus chapter 33, verse number 18. And he said, I beseech thee, Show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Look at the next verse. And God answered Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. That is the glory of God. The glory of God is God's goodness, God's compassion, and God's mercy. So Jesus spent time on earth to correct all the impressions about God. Throughout the four gospels, in Luke, he rebuked those people for wanting to bring down the fire of Elijah. He said to them, the son of man is not come to destroy. The son of man is come to save lives. If Jesus was there in second Kings, when Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down. Jesus will have rebuked Elijah because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or he will have shielded, he will have shielded the people from all that Elijah was trying to do. Faith in Jesus unlocks the Old Testament. Please take note that. Faith in Jesus unlocks the Old Testament. If Jesus was with the prophets of Baal, he wouldn't have asked for that unnecessary show of strength. He wouldn't have. He was with worse people in the four Gospels. Pharisees. 
Pharisees. He didn't destroy them. He didn't give them blindness. He didn't give them madness. He didn't give them an incurable disease. In fact, they said Jesus had a demon. They said Jesus was possessed. They said Jesus was possessed with the spirit of Beelzebub. What did Jesus say to them? He didn't say, ground open and swallow these people that are insulting me. No, he didn't. He just spoke to them, tried to teach them, tried to help them. When they wouldn't listen, he went to another place. That is how my God functions. So Jesus corrected their impressions of God. Jesus corrected their impressions of God. In Luke chapter 7, a prostitute came to Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, a prostitute came to Jesus. Religious people today will castigate a prostitute, laugh at her, scorn her, push her away, and call her a sinner, and say she is smelly. But a prostitute came to Jesus. Jesus is God. Look at Luke chapter 7 verse 37. Luke chapter 7 verse number 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, 38, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment, 39. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if we are a prophet, will have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him. For she is a sinner. Look at religion. Religious people, they looked at that woman and said, if Jesus were a man of God, he wouldn't have allowed a prostitute to touch him. Look at me, everybody. He wouldn't have allowed a prostitute to touch him. He didn't even push her away. Remember the alabaster box came from the proceeds of prostitution. The, the perfume she brought and poured on Jesus came from the proceeds of prostitution. Yet Jesus didn't drive her away. Neither did he reject the perfume. He allowed her to pour the perfume. He allowed her to kiss his feet. He allowed her to worship him. And he gave her the gift of acceptance. That is how my God functions. Jesus was correcting their impression. Look at that Luke chapter 7 verse 47. Luke chapter 7 verse 47. Jesus speaking said, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is given, the same loveth little. Look at verse 50 of the same Luke chapter 7. Verse 50. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. People gave to Jesus. He didn't say, I don't want your money. I don't want your stuff. She anointed his feet with tears. That is contrary to religion. Jesus was correcting their impressions about God. He was correcting them about God. Look at Luke chapter 5 verse 17. Luke chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus is still correcting people. And it came to pass on a certain day. As he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Look at verse 21 of Luke chapter 5. 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus looked at the man they brought in a two by four. And he said to that man, Man, your sins are forgiven. And then their impression was, Who can forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus corrected their impressions. In Luke chapter 19, he corrects their impressions about God. That means they had impressions. Luke chapter 19 verse 9. Look at their impressions. Luke 19 9. And Jesus said unto him, Zacchaeus the tax collector, the sinner, this day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was correcting impressions. Even in the parable of Luke chapter 15, all he talked about was seeking the lost, which the conclusion was the prodigal son. How the loving father ran and went after his son. So who is Jesus again? Jesus is the revelation of God the father. Jesus is the revelation of God the Father. Please pay attention. Jesus reveals the Father heart of God to us. That is what Jesus does. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ. God wants to save sinners. God wants to reconcile with sinners. So your impression of God must not be based on the laws of Moses. Your impression of God must not be based on the laws of Moses. But rather, your impressions of God must be based on the revelation of Christ. So, the, the impressions of God in Christ is what we will use in search for God in the Old Testament. The revelation of God in Christ is what we will use to search for God in the Old Testament. Remember again, God's power in the Old Testament is only in his promises. God's power in the Old Testament is only in his promises. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, but before we read, let's check out Moses again. We said that the Old Testament shows us Man's inconsistent revelation of God. The Old Testament shows us man's inconsistent revelation of God. We said that the new covenant is the correct impression of God. The new covenant is the exact, precise impression and revelation of God. So that's why we say the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament 
is the Old Testament revealed. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. According to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. They showed Moses a pattern. A pattern on the mount. A pattern. So how did he build a tabernacle out of a pattern? We said it was not Moses' fault. Who made Moses a mediator? Man. God never appointed Moses a mediator. Man made Moses a mediator. They said to God, we don't want to hear God. God, speak to Moses. Let Moses speak to us. They appointed Moses a mediator because of their unbelief. So since they were in unbelief, the pattern God showed Moses, which Moses communicated as the gospel to them in words, they rejected. So Moses now built for them a temple. If they were believers, Moses wouldn't build a temple. He will explain and teach Christ to them rather than build for them a physical building. So in that building, he put a mercy seat. And he wouldn't have you know, use a physical building to communicate mercy seat. He will have explained to them that Jesus is the expression of God's mercy and Jesus in his resurrection is the authority of God. And that Jesus is seated in the place of regency, the right hand, the place of authority. He will have explained in words. But since they were a people of unbelief, he built for them a physical tabernacle. So we will see in what he did. He used the word shadow. A shadow of good things to come. The word shadow is the word skia. The word shadow is the word skia. Skia means obscurity. Something that is not clear. Something that is obscure. So a shadow of heavenly things. That is obscurity in what he told them to do. That is, there was darkness in Moses' communication with the children of Israel. Look at 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. The things which God had prepared for them that love him. That scripture is referring to the Old Testament. See where it was quoted from. Isaiah 64 verse 4. Isaiah 64 verse 4. Referring to the Old Testament. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither had the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he had prepared for him that waited for him. The eyes of the Old Testament people because the communication was a skier, which is shadow and obscure, their eyes didn't see, neither did their ears hear. But in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, glory to God, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, but God hath revealed them to us 
what the eyes of the Old Testament prophets and people didn't see, God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Yea, the deep things of God. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 of that first Corinthians. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Verse 12. Glory to God. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Say with me, I receive God as the Father in Christ. Say it again, I receive God as the Father in Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. Pay attention now. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I love the writer of the book of Hebrews. You know, the writer of the book of Hebrews just retired the angels. He retired them. He says, see God in Christ. Don't see God in angels. In verse, in chapter 1 of Hebrews, verse 2 and 3, look at the way he puts it. Chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Hath in these last days spoken unto us in his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So the writer of Hebrews retires the angels. He said the angels have never been called sons of God. While the New Testament writers did everything to correct the Old Testament impression of God in their writings. Today, a lot of people just jumble everything. Old New Testament, everything just mix all and call it God. They take Genesis, if it's not enough. They add Leviticus, if it's not enough. They add Lamentation, if it's not enough. They add Psalms and they just have a confusion. He tells you, don't listen to angels. Listen to the song. Because none of the angels did God ever call a son. But he says, let the angels worship Jesus the son. Let the angels worship Jesus the son. Now, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2. Pay attention. In fact, listen, if you miss here, you shouldn't have come to this service at all from this point. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast. So in the Old Testament, there were words spoken by angels. And under the angelic oppression, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Under the oppression of words spoken by angels, everything was dealt with. People were punished. There was reward for every disobedience. Look at verse 3. How shall we escape from those angels and their causes and their repercussions if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first 
began to be spoken by the Lord. So what did the Lord speak at the first? Salvation. What did angels speak? Recompense of reward for disobedience and transgression. Alright? So salvation from the Lord is the opposite of what the angels spoke. Please stay with me. Now, he did a contrast with, between what angels said and what Jesus said. You've got to choose who to believe. Whether angels or Jesus. Let's look at a couple of things now. Like I said, if you miss here, you shouldn't have come to this service. In the Old Testament, and let's do safely, there is a word called Elohim. Elohim. Elohim is used as God. Elohim is used as God. In the Old Testament, Genesis 1.1. Barashit Elohim etashamayim's letter aret. That's the Hebrew rendition of in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Alright? Barashit, Barashit Elohim. Elohim. So Elohim is the name of God in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Now that word Elohim is a Hebrew word. Elohim is a Hebrew word. Use 2000. 598 times. Elohim is a Hebrew word used 2,598 times and is all over the Old Testament. It's from a word Eloha. Eloha. E-L-O-H-A. Eloha was a word. Now, the word Elohim and Eloha, they are not heavenly languages. They are not heavenly languages. Elohim is a Hebrew word that was used in ancient culture to describe anything divine or anything that is high. Anything divine or anything that is high. Elohim was used for judges. Judges. It was used for whatever is mighty. It was also used for rulers. Elohim was used for things that are great. So that word Elohim was an ancient culture, an ancient word used in the culture of the Hebrews. So when you hear God said, don't assume he is referring to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God said is Elohim. It could be somebody high, a judge, it could be a mighty person, a ruler, it could be some supernatural beings like a deity. Don't always assume God in the Old Testament is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that word God is Elohim. Elohim. Now, so I'm going to show you two examples. Two examples in a moment. But you have to do your own study even after now to understand what I am really you know, sharing with you. For example, when the writer of Hebrews said to us in Hebrews 2.2, if the word spoken by angels, but when you go to the Old Testament, you will see God said, Elohim or Eloha said. Eloha in the Hebrew is of divine. Something that is supernatural. It could be God, it could be angels, it could be demons. Anything supernatural in the Old Testament was called Elohim. It was called God. 
It was used before Moses started writing. Elohim was a word used for deities. Elohim was a word used for deities. And many times in the Old Testament, they gave angels that respect. They gave angels that respect. Stay with me. So look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Barashit Elohim Barat etashamayim's letter aret. Look at verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Next three. Next verse. And God said. And God said. Let there be light. And there was light. And God said. The word said is the word arma in the Greek. It means to utter. To utter. Used 5,308 times. Used 5,308 times. To utter. In careful study, that means the very first utterance of God was light. The first time God ever spoke in creation was light. So, was the light the moon or the sun? Was it illumination or direction? Of course, the light there was illumination. It was direction. It was not moon and star. So, God's word is light. God's word is light. If you're writing, that's a good one to write. God's word is light. So, let's read Genesis 3, 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Pay attention. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The word heard. Adam heard. You hearken to the... Look at it. Adam heard. So what will be in that voice that Adam heard? Light. Because God's word is light. So if they heard the voice of God walking... What they had was light. So now, what did Adam run from? He ran from light. He ran from the voice of the Lord. They went to hid themselves. They ran from light. They ran from the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is the Hebrew word call. Q-O-L. Call. Used 507 times for sound. Call. Use 507 times for sound. Sound. Look at Genesis 3.17. Genesis 3.17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it. All the days of thy life. He said you have hearkened to the voice of your wife. Look at me. That voice of your word is the wa- wife is the word call. The voice of your wife. 
When call is used, it has to do with words. Things that are said for you to hear. You heard the voice, meaning you heard the words. What is the utterance of God again in Genesis 1, 1 to 3? Light. Light. Look at John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light was the life of men. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The life was the light of men. What did Adam run away from? He ran away from the light of God, which is the life of God. He ran away from the light of God, which is the life of God, which was in words. Which was in words. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Next verse. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Next verse. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Next verse. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. In that verse 4, it says, Lest the light, give me verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4 4. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, the image of God is found in light. The image of God is found in light. The image of God is found in light. Look at verse 5 again. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Genesis 1-3. And God said, in the midst of darkness, let there be light. And there was light. God commanded the light. So, that light is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That light in Genesis 1-3 is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, God's communications with Adam was in the person of Jesus. God's communication with Adam was in the person of Jesus. And that is consistent with God. Jesus didn't come to show us another part of God. No. He didn't come to show us another part of God. 
That has been God's consistent revelation of himself. God is light. God is life. So let's get back on the word Elohim. Elohim was used 2,598 times. It is used for anything divine, anything mighty, anything supernatural or a deity. Used for judges, used for rulers. And that is how it is retained in the Old Testament. For example, let us see the man Jacob. Genesis 32.30 Genesis 32.30 And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel For I have seen God face to face And my life is preserved hmm. Look at me How many of you know That Jacob actually wrestled with an angel Jacob wrestled with an angel Is that clear? Jacob wrestled with an angel. And that is why many people get, you must wrestle with God. Wrestle with God. All night wrestling. Wrestle with God. What, what, what's that? It, it makes no sense. Jacob was wrestling with an angel. But look at how Jacob explained and finished his statement. In Genesis 32, 30. Another assumption of Jacob. Genesis 32, 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Did Jacob see God at all? No. What did Jacob see? An angel. And he called that experience an experience with God. The same thing earlier on in Genesis 28. Where he called the name of the place Bethel. Genesis 28.12 Genesis 28.12 And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Ascending and descending on it. Look at, look at verse 16. Genesis 28.16 And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. Was it the Lord that was in that place or an angel? Angel. But he assumed it was the Lord. And I knew it not. Next verse. And he was afraid. Of course, tres, angelos treskia is approaching God with fear through angels. He was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This, this is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Next verse. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Next verse. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Loz at the first. 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. Next verse. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. Then shall the Lord be my God. The Lord he was referring to there was angels. Angels. So from Jacob's experience, 
we can see that whatever experience the Old Testament people had with angels, they called it God. So when you see God said, and the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Jacob, you must rightly read the context to understand which Elohim they are referring to. Whether the God of our Lord Jesus Christ or angels or some deities or a judge or a ruler because that name God, Elohim was used for many things in the Old Testament. So that is why the scriptures must be clearly studied. That is why I said to you, faith in Christ unlocks the Old Testament. Faith in Christ unveils the Old Testament. Let's see another one. Psalms chapter 8 verse 4. Psalms chapter 8 verse 4. Are you still in the building? Psalms chapter 8 verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? Verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels on the line angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. The same noun used for God. The Hebrew word has it as me Elohim which is the Elohim. So if you read that in Genesis is the same word used for God. That is a mighty being. That was made him lower than Elohim, which is the angels. But if you read it in the Hebrew, is you have made him lower than Elohim, a mighty being, a supernatural being, used in the plural because Elohim was used for God and other beings. Remember, the epistles explains the Old Testament. So Hebrews chapter 2 will clarify things. Was Jacob correct? No. Jacob didn't see God. Jacob saw angels. It's the same thing that happened to Abraham. When three angels visited Abraham. And Abraham said God visited him. In the heat of the day. In Genesis chapter 18. It was an angel. Same thing here. How do I know? He had a son. Hebrews. Remember. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. The writer of Hebrews, both in chapter 1, the whole of chapter 1, and chapter 2, look at me, chapter 1, and chapter 2, was to retire angels and their ministry. So in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5, look at this. It's very important you look. Look at the scriptures. Because I don't want anybody after this teaching to say, well, I heard you, but this is what I think. Listen, in Bible teaching, you are not permitted to think. You don't read your thoughts into the Bible. You let the Bible talk to you. That's why we're reading a lot of scriptures. We're taking time to contextually read into the mind of the scriptures. It's not my opinion. It's not what I think. If you observe everything, I'm reading from scriptures and explaining the scriptures with the scriptures. You are not permitted to introduce your opinion into Bible interpretation. It is called exegesis. Allowing the scriptures to tell you what was in the mind of the author. Don't forget 
the Bible will never mean today what it never meant when it was first written. So when listening to Bible teaching, put aside, this is how I see it. Put aside, this is what I think. Your thinking is not permitted. It's illegal for you to read your thoughts into the Bible. Let the Bible interpret itself. That is why you must humble yourself and listen carefully and study carefully with a mind that is ready to unlearn so you can relearn. To unlearn so you can relearn. This is very important. Now look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 where the New Testament explains the Old Testament. For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. Whereof we speak. Verse 6. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Verse 7. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And this set him over the works of thy hands. He uses the word angelos. Angelos. A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Angelos. Used 176 times in the Greek for angels. For angels. So we need to go to the Old Testament to see where angelos was used as Elohim. Where angelos was used as Elohim. And we're going to do a lot of work there on Wednesday. We're going to do a lot of work there on Wednesday. But as I round up this service, is everybody hearing me? As I round up this service, please stay with me. As I round up this service, in all the interactions where the law was given, and men were condemned in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you have to make a distinction. You have to make a distinction. And God said, make sure they don't do this. And the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord spoke to Moses. Those places where you see most of those, the Lord spoke to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, the writer of Hebrews gives us the true situation. Remember, the New Testament explains the Old Testament. Hebrews 2.2. 2. Hebrews 2.2. 2. For if the word spoken by angels. So a lot of words in the Old Testament were spoken by angels. So that is what you are following if you are always observing the law and making reference to all the activities of angels. If I be a man of God, let fire come down. If I be a man of God, may you die, not die a common death and the ground will open and swallow people. If you are copying that, you are in the worship of angels. Angelos Treskia. You are in the worship of angels and you are not holding the head. So you suffer spiritual kwashoko because you are in angel worship. Which Jesus calls the doctrines of men. Why was it given? Because of the hardness of men's heart. You are only confused about God because you wanted to stay in the Old Testament and believe without explaining it. 
You just want to copy things from the Old Testament and just believe it like that without explaining it. But the scriptures are profitable for doctrine, explanation, or teaching. They will not profit you. You will not nourish from it if they are not explained. So in closing, Colossians chapter 2 verse 18. Colossians chapter 2 verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels. Intruding into those things which he had not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. 19. And he is not holding the head which is Christ. He is pursuing angels and you can't hold angels and Christ. You must choose one. He is pursuing the law of Moses and angels and is not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increased with the increase of God. Next verse. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Next verse. Touch not, taste not, handle not. That's the law of Moses. Which are all to perish with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of men. Next verse. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. And humility and neglecting of the body. Not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Next verse. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Glory to God. If you be risen with Christ, then seek the things that are eternal. Seek the things that are above. Your approach of God should be in Christ. We see God in Christ. Christ reveals God to us. That is why when Jesus and Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter said, let's build three tabernacles for them. Moses and Elijah disappeared in the cloud. Only Jesus remained. And a voice came out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He didn't say hear them. Hear him. So Jesus' witness of the father is the most accurate, precise is, is, is the revelation of God himself. And if it contradicts what Moses and Elijah said, trash their own. Hear Jesus only. Hallelujah. Hear Jesus only. God is revealed in Christ. Jesus is the perfect revelation of the Father. To know God, you know Christ. And Christ is revealed in the scriptures that are rightly divided. Glory to God. Stand on your feet today. And don't forget, Christ revealed is the believer unveiled. Christ revealed is the believer unveiled. Colossians calls it the mystery that was hid from ages, which is now revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. Revelation knowledge grows big on your inside. Veils fall off. Veils fall off. We cast down imagination. Thoughts that are contrary, we pull them down. 
The revelation of Jesus grows big on your inside until nothing else matters. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Grow in wisdom. Be rooted and grounded. Be built up in the knowledge of Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be built up in him. Be grounded and rooted in the knowledge of Christ. And I decree right now, whatever is not planted by God around you is rooted out. We rebuke infirmity, sickness, and disease. Lose your holds in the name of Jesus. Receive the healing power of God. Receive the healing power of God. Receive the healing power of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that, Amen, like thunder. Praise God. Hey, listen to me, everybody. It's been a wonderful time teaching you the word. You don't want to miss what I'm going to be teaching as we continue exploring, unveiling the misunderstood God, bringing clarity to the character and the nature of God in Christ Jesus. On Wednesday, those of you listening to me on FM, XLFM, when we come live, I'm going to read some numbers, all of you in Aquaibom State. I'm going to read some numbers so that you can reach us. We want to have you all on WhatsApp so we can send you daily devotional for free on your WhatsApp, on your WhatsApp every day. All of you in Aquaibom that are listening that will desire to grow some more in Christ, on Wednesday, we're going to give you a phone number to text in your number, your WhatsApp number, so we can be able to send you daily teachings, daily teachings for free on your WhatsApp on your WhatsApp number. We want to do that for you so you can grow and mature and be nourished in the knowledge of Christ. So that number will be read on Wednesday at the midweek service, 5 p.m. GMT plus one. I want to take up your offerings. Every one of you that has been blessed, I'd like you to grab a off an offering you know, a, 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 a gift to this ministry, an offering of honor and an offering of worship and investment into this ministry and a partnership to help us get the word on radio, on TV and all over the world. And those of you in Aquaibom State, if you're not a member of Power City, you belong to an active church where you're committed. I will encourage you to send your offerings to your pastor. Encourage them. Tell them I ask you to send your offering to them. You've been blessed by me, but I ask you to send your offerings to them. But if you don't have a church where you belong, send your offerings to us. At the end of the service, at the end of this service, phone numbers will be read for those on radio so that you're calling with questions. You're calling, you know, um, with, with questions or prayer requests. Or if you want to send us an offering, if you call, we will give you the account details. But everybody else on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all of you, our banking details are scrolling. Those of you on television, the banking details are there. You know, just, just honor, do the right thing right now. We want to pray over the offerings. Grab your offering. And I want you to be intentional in giving. Your giving is an expression of honor, an expression of understanding, an expression of your appreciation for what Christ has done so that together we fulfill our responsibility of flooding the earth with the message of Christ. Grab your offerings, everybody in the house centers and all the campuses. I want to pray over the offerings right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift it up to heaven, Father. Thank you for the privilege of giving today. We give in faith. We give with joy. We give in honor of Christ. We give in honor of Christ. And we thank you for the privilege of honoring you through the teaching of your word. Now we give our offerings, our kingdom investments. We give our partnership commitment to you through this ministry. So that the word of God continues to flourish in the land. 
so that the word of God continues to flourish in the lives of God's people. And our offering is an honor, our offering is worship, and our offering is service in honor of Christ. Thank you that our offerings rise today before you a sweet smell. And I pray for everybody giving today, your needs are met according to his riches in glory. Your desires are granted. We decree right now, receive, receive, receive divine direction, receive insight, receive ideas, concepts, and insights, receive favor in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for honoring your people. And thank you for the blessing that is upon your people today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. It's an honor to serve you the grace of God. It's an honor to teach you the word of God. And it's an honor to be a blessing to you. I want to encourage every one of you. Every one of you. Go and listen to the teachings over and over again. Listen to them over and over and over again. It's important. And in the next few days, I'm going to schedule on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram a rebroadcast of all I have taught in the Misunderstood God Part 1, Two Kinds of Righteousness, and this one I'm teaching now. It's so important so that we can push it over and over so you will hear it over and over so that the light of God's word will resonate in your understanding. It's very critical and important. Today's service, both the first and the second one, I want to encourage you to go back again and listen. Listen and make notes. Go through your notes and listen. Then go through the scriptures and look at it and think about it. Then pray in tongues and look again. So that this revelation will equip you and strengthen you and keep you, you know, to be able to preach this gospel with clarity. We love you guys. The next time you will see me here live will be on Wednesday at 5 p.m. GMT plus one. All our house centers, make sure you continue enjoying Christ. I was able to visit a few of the house centers yesterday and we had a great time of fellowship. I'm visiting a lot more in the next, in this, in the course of this week. So get ready. I'm going to visit, come see some of you, pray with you in the various houses and just fellowship with you. It's been wonderful. It's been a long time. I saw so many of you and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you this week. But you know, guys, we love you. Wednesday, I'll be live at 5 p.m. GMT plus one. Invite more people. Share the message with more people. Share the message on your Facebook pages and you know, tag people. Invite more people to hear this word. We're committed to blanketing the earth with the fragrance of Jesus' love. We love you guys. Thank you again for the time we have spent together in the study of God's word. Enjoy the rest of your day till we hook up again on Wednesday, 5 p.m. GMT plus one. Until then, be blessed. Amen. Glory to God. Amen.